The second annual Elite Technique Hurdle Camp is on February 10th at UND. Chris Norris is part of the Norris family that have won five state championships in hurdle races. Chris has coached hurdles since 1988 with 10 state champions between Indiana and Nevada, including four since 2018. Come learn from seasoned coaches on techniques for being successful. See the Indiana Runner message board or Indiana Runner front page for more details. Indiana Runner Podcast Season 7, Episode 8. Taylor and I go through the boys' sprints and hurdles events for 2024. Let's hit it. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. All right. Colin Altavote, Taylor Marshall, we are continuing our preseason coverage. Best track coverage yet. In Best coverage history. in the state, Colin. We got this, me and you. Uh, we are on the boys' sprints and hurdles. There are seven different events that we're going to go over on these 40 minutes. And if we uh, don't get to something, we'll tie up some loose ends on the Patreon. And we got some other stuff planned to talk about uh, for that on the Patreon, given that it is uh, mid-January as we are recording this. You ready? Let's do it. The 105 returning medalists, Dominic Calhoun, a senior from Brownsburg. We're going to talk about him a lot. He was second last year at the state meet and ran a best time of 10.46 during the 2023 track and field season. Will Riley, a junior from Greenwood, third at the state meet last year, 10.58. Kellen Watson, a junior from Penn, fourth at the state meet, 10.74. Marcus Townsend, junior from Avon, fifth at state, 1071 and DeAndre Cooper, a junior from Brownsburg, eighth at the state meet, 1069. Some other athletes of note. Times listed uh, are their best performances, not necessarily their state meet performance. Davion Clark, a senior from Fort Wayne, Wayne, 1065. Shout out, I went to middle school and high school with his mom. Carwin Pope, a sophomore from Princeton. 1065. So you're in 1065 as a freshman. Ooh. Israel Jackson, a senior from Lawrence North, 1069. Christian Woodson, a senior from North Central, 1070. Uh, we're going to talk about the 100 and the 200 after the 200, but I just want to ask you this. What about four sophomores on the podium in the open 100 last spring? Yeah, very surprising for an event that is typically dominated by juniors and especially seniors right on the boys side um you know this this was a very fast deep field colin and you know this this would be applicable to when we talk about the 200 as well but maybe people are a little bit more familiar with the 100 and sprint times like you know you talk to a non-distance guy might understand the mile that kind of thing um we talk a lot about the elite level of distance runners on the boys and girls side, and maybe even pole vaulters here in Indiana the past few years, I hope, and maybe we're starting to see some of that national level talent start to fill in in the hundred. Um, this is a cold weather state, right? There's no doubt about it. It's not consistently warm in central Indiana until, you know, often mid, mid to late April, obviously later than that, if you're up in Northern Indiana. So it's difficult to run these fast times and, you know, we're not Florida, we're not Texas, we're not California. Uh, but you know, when you consistently are seen at the state meet podium finishers, 
10, seven and change or 10, six and change. There are years that'll win. And and they were seventh or eighth. And that was just so hopefully we're starting to see more of that depth. And I think we are. Let's move on to the 200 and then we can tie those together because there is a lot of overlap between those two events. Four returning medalists here in the 200. Dominic Calhoun from Brownsburg. He was the state champion in this distance, 2130. Matthew Ray, a senior from Whiteland, third at the state meet, 2149. Calhoun's teammate, Josh Handy, who's a senior, so he goes to Brownsburg, fifth at the state meet, 21.55. Cameron Mullins, a senior from Zionsville, seventh at the state meet, 21.65. Christian Woodson then from North Central, we talked about him in the 100, 21.58. Davion Clark, we talked about in the 100, 21.85. Israel Jackson, a senior from Lawrence North, we talked about him in the 100 as well. 2188. So for obvious reasons, a lot of overlap between those two races. And let me ask you this. Why one, do you think Calhoun is the heavy favorite in both? He's clearly the favorite, but would you say he's a heavy favorite in both? I would call him the heavy favorite. Yes. I think he's earned that title. Okay. Why are 100 and 200 double winners so rare? Calhoun close last year, second in the 100, won the 200. Double winners in the 1600 and the 3200, rare for obvious reasons. It, yeah. The 1600 is going to take a ton out of you. 1600 and 800, just as rare, if not even more so, because they're so slammed together. The 100 and the 200, we the last double winner was uh, Noah McBride in 2017. Now, one of those seasons was canceled, and maybe we would have had one that year. Why is that so rare? You know, my guess is two things. One, uh, it takes four good races to get it done, right? Prelims and finals, um, you know, at this level, even if you're Calhoun, as an example, who I consider to be uh, the heavy favorite, you don't jog through the prelims of the state meet, right? You have to run fast because not only do you have to make sure you get in, but you're going to want a preferred lane, right? Um, whereas at the sectional regional level, you're probably able to coast, certainly by the sectional, you can kind of coast prelims and kind of move through. Um, so you need four, four strong races there. And then I think I mentioned this in another, uh, maybe in the girls sprint hurdle preview, um, many of these athletes are just some of the best athletes. And so they're likely on the four by one or long jump, or they may hurdle. So they're getting a lot of work in on the day. By the time the 200 rolls around toward the end of the meet, it might be, you know, it's a little bit more challenging and you're a tired and, you know, you've got some who are maybe only there for the 200 or maybe the 201 other event. And that might be your sixth race of the day. Let's go to the 400, four returning medalists, very strong year in 2023, including the state record and state meet record. The top four have graduated. So the number one returner who we talked about in the 200 is Cameron Mullins, who goes to Zionsville. He was fifth at the state meet, 47-71. 47-71 was oh, fifth last year at the state meet. Andres Negron Carrero, senior from Harrison and West Lafayette, was sixth at the state meet in 48 flat. Andres Langston, a senior from Mount Vernon, was eighth at the state meet, 48-52. Josh Berry, a senior from Lake Central, ninth at the state meet, 48-61. And I think he's going to have a very good season this year. Uh, some others of note, Devontae Carter, a junior from Fort Wayne Northrop, 48-75. I noted in here that he ran cross country. 
Hmm. I think that will help. Yeah. Uh, Chris Kurtz, a senior from McCutcheon, 4891. And then Ben Riley, senior from Milan. It might be really uh, 4909. But he was ranked 125th in the state for cross country, which 125th doesn't sound that good. But that's really with the amount of kids that run cross country in Indiana. Yeah. 125th is like you're making any team's top seven with maybe one exception. Yeah, that's um, pretty solid. I think that he's probably a candidate to move to the 800. If you can take 4909 speed, not a split, open 400. Yeah. And match that with a guy that probably ran 1630 in his fastest race. That could be the making of a guy who, that if he gets some experience and can figure it out, could could be up there. Let's think about that a little bit. You you can run 49, let's call it 49 flat just to make the math a little bit easier, right? He runs yeah. 49 flat in the open four. He can go out his first lap 53 maybe-ish, 54. Yeah, can he run 54 and come back with a 57? I don't, I don't know. That, that would and be And I haven't cool. looked to see if he's got any 800 um, – any 800 performances in the past and he you know he could but it's he goes to Milan which is a very famous small school but is yeah. a tiny school and so yeah. he probably has famous seen, for being a small school right he hasn't seen a lot of high level competition necessarily um and he was running the 400 in the big meets anyway so mm-hmm. you know if you threw him into the 800 enough times could he eventually figure it out and be so you know we could compare him to say Matthew Kim from Fishers. Matthew yeah. Kim was much better in cross country. I mean, he was one of the top 10 or 15 uh, athletes all season. So certainly better than 125th, but, but he couldn't have run 49 flat for an open 400. I mean, he's like a 50, 50 flat split maybe. Right. So there's, there's a pretty wide gap in there or, or maybe Riley runs, you know, runs the open 400 and uses his cross country strength to have a good season in, in the top nine in, in that event. Cause we know we can do that. So according to Tiefers, he we they have him at a, a two thirteen in the eight hundred. I'm sure that can't be. That's certainly not what he's capable of. If that's his only time right. on the year, you know that means whatever. But a fifteen fifty eight five k and cross fifteen fit. Oh wow! Not, so I really undersold him with sixteen. Yeah, 16, he, he's got a couple other performances that are low sixteen. So that that makes all me right. feel like it's all pretty legit. So could, it's not up I to mean, me, but you talked me into it. 49 flat in 1558. Do you see where it was? Uh, it was at Jackson Dell. And then he also had okay. at South Dearborn 1606. He ran okay. 1614 at the regional, 1614 at state. That's legit. Kids okay. legit. Yeah. So what what does it say what place he got at state? Would you have to click on it to see? 101st. Yeah. So that's he was he wasn't in the top hundred, but he was as close as you can get. At the state yeah. meet, plus there, yeah. I don't think I'm kind of going through now. I don't think there were any kids that beat him at the state meet in cross country that can run faster than him over open in the open 400. It it would be a short list if there is. Um, what getting back to the 400? One last thing here. This feels like a pretty wide open event. I mean, talking about those who graduated state record, state meet record. Um, you know this this feels like. Even though Mullins is the top returner, I, I'm not sure he's the uh, going away favorite in the event. 
I, I think this could be a pretty a pretty close one. Right I agree now. with you. I like I like Mullins. Yeah. Um he's he's the favorite. I mean, he had the best place and he has the best time. I like Josh Berry from Lake Central. Uh, and then I, I think it is, you know, those other athletes that we talked about, the two Andres guys, it, it, it's it's open. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Potentially open here, the 110 hurdles, four returning medalists, top returner, top time, Tyler Tartar, we call him the sauce, a senior from Fishers, second at the state meet, 1437, David Carnell, a senior from Ben Davis, fourth at state, 1446, Adam Quist, shout out, senior from Carmel, fifth at the state meet, 1443. DeAndre Black, a senior from Bloomington South. They have a very good class, senior class there at South. Seventh at the state meet, 1468. And then I listed another four or five to watch. I was a little confused on this. Uh, not confused, but just I, I noted this in the outline. Joe Wesley borders a senior from Avon 1440, but that was at a dual meet. A lot of dual meets have automatic time. Yeah. So this Not could all. have had automatic timing, but that is a very, very fast time. So just uh, putting that in there, Kieran Barnwell, a junior from Chesterton, 1454. Drew Yates, a senior from West Noble, 1455. John Peters, a junior from Merrillville, 1462. Dallas Johnson, a junior from Center Grove, 1463. No clear favorite and some real potential title implications in this. Hey, one name that I noticed in my little research here uh, that we omitted, Javon Westfield from Fort Wayne Northrop ran 1436 uh, at the regional meet. Okay, I don't know why that didn't fit in. As a he's a he'll be a senior then this fall. He's a senior now. Or sorry, he's he's a senior now. Um uh Javon or Javion Westfield from Fort Wayne Northrop. So 14.36 at his regional meet. Uh that sounds pretty legit. And that actually puts him uh one one hundredth of a second ahead of Tyler Tartar. We call him the sauce. Uh, on his, uh, you know, in terms of who's the top returner. So um, we'll see. He didn't have the best day at state. He did advance the state meet, obviously, but didn't have his best day. So um give give the Bruin a shout out from Northrop and see if he'll be in the conversation state. I do have him in the 300s. At, at this point, are we going to, are we willing to call the sauce the favorite? I would say so. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's right up there consistently. I mean, as I mentioned, Westfield with a slightly faster time, but consistently uh, faster and tartar. And then also, uh, you know, we, we've seen him and he was a little hampered by injury at the end of the season, right? We know that the state meet, uh, he'll come back healthy and ready. So I, I feel like he's probably the favorite right now in, in both three, events. So the three hundreds are his primary event. Yeah. The one tens are his, his secondary event. Three hundreds, five returning medalists. I'm going to start with the sauce, even though he did not race this at the state meet, he was there. He was the favorite, um, probably dealing with some injury, after the 110s. So Tyler Tarter, senior from Fishers, 37.49 was his best time, nearly a second ahead of the rest of the field. Jacob Martin, a senior from Homestead, second at the state meet, 38.31. James Finley, a junior from Andrean, fourth at state, 38.81. Lucian Wicker, a senior, Gibson Southern, sixth at state, 39.23. Alex Ayasu, uh, senior, Brownsburg, eighth at the state meet, 39-34. Jonathan Seaver, 
senior from Franklin, ninth at the state meet, 39-35. Others of note that were kind of in that range at some point uh, with their times, what could have meddled had they done at the state meet. Antonio Smith, a junior from North Central, 39-07. You talked about Javion Westfield, senior from Northrop, 39-30 in the 300s. His primary event is probably the 110s. Adam Quist is in a similar position from Carmel. His primary event is the 110s, but he's certainly capable over 300 meters as well. 39-34. Luke Caulfield, senior, South Bend St. Joe's, 39-38. This is Tartar's event, right? This is Tartar's event. Um, you know, I think it would have been his event last year if, again, if he was healthy and able to toe the line. I think right now uh, it's still his event, um, and I, I predict that he will be the clear favorite and and win. Um, one other point, you kind of mentioned Brownsburg here, some some team title implications on the line in this event. Um, I think actually, I don't think they'll have it sealed by the 300 hurdles. I actually think they'll have it wrapped up by the 200 as of right now, but um, we'll we'll see. They could, and I've, I've gone through and looked at it. I think the most serious contender to them, do you agree with this, is probably Fishers for the team title for Brownsburg? Yeah, I would say right now. And Brownsburg or Fishers will have where Brownsburg has some strength in the hurdles. So does Fishers and Fishers is stronger in those. And then potentially Brownsburg, we're looking at one, two, one, three in the 200. Yeah. Fishers then could be top three finish in the 3200 and a top three finish in the four by four, but Brownsburg may have such an insurmountable lead then after the 200 kind of like they did last year. Right. And that one team had a one, two finish in the 3200 and then was fifth. So 23 points in the last two events and still couldn't catch up because Brownsburg had such a lead from their, their sprint and hurdle strength. Right. Are you, are you tired of talking about Brownsburg yet? No, they, they, uh, look, they're the best team, I think. And they're and not only the best team, but they're the strongest team in the area that you want to be the strongest. And that's sprints and hurdles. Well, because... here we go. Four by one Brownsburg. They set the state record last year. Three of those four are back. And we mentioned three of them already three returning medalists in sprint races. Yeah. I don't know if this is unprecedented, but it, I can't remember. I remember a lot over the last 20 or so years. I don't remember a team having this much sprint strength coming back on the boys' side. Yeah, nothing comes to mind. Four by one means four guys or girls, in this case boys, run 100 meters. So they do need a fourth. They can find someone. They have, they'll, they'll they're a big enough school and they've got, they got there's, somebody. Dude, Even if he's not quite as fast, you can hide him. Yeah. You can yeah. hide somebody on the third leg. Yeah. Uh, Cathedral has three of four back from their ninth place team. So this just our running down through our list of returners here is going to show the difference between Brownsburg and the rest of the field. Brownsburg three of four back from the winning team that set the state record, obliterated the state record. It felt like. Yeah. And far and away the best at the state meet. The next team with three of four back was Cathedral. And they were ninth, and they have three of their four back. Penn has three of their four back. Lafayette Jeff has three of four back. Cathedral, Penn, Lafayette Jeff, ninth, tenth, and eleventh last year at the state meet. So the last podium team, and then the, the first two off. Portage has all four back from a team that was seventeenth at the state meet. 
And then other than that, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to figure out the four by like 400, four by four. And then certainly in the four by eight, especially because distance runners have two seasons, it's a little simpler to discern potential in the four by one. What we know is that uh, Brownsburg is really good and they're going to win unless, you know, unless they don't get the stick around. Right. And the odd, a lot of times when we talk about track and field, it's like, well, that could happen to anybody. Anybody could drop the baton. It's not, I mean, other than like Carmel, we had like a streak of it dropping the stick like four years in a row in the tournament, but it's, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Especially when you know you're the best team and you're probably being coached at some point to be like, Hey, we're the fastest at the running part. So just make sure that we, we don't need to shave off hundreds of a second with the exchanges. Just make sure you get it around. Yeah. You know, one other team to highlight, you've, you mentioned uh, the Cathedral Irish here, three, three of four back from a podium team. Uh, Phillips is a podium contender there in the hundred. So they have a star and then just need to find one more piece there uh, for a team that made it on to. So uh, could they be a top three team? You know, probably, you know, they would need maybe a little help from Brownsburg or really kind of close the gap, but could you be in the top three? That's, you know, that'd be pretty good. And then after that, I mean, they're, they're number two on this list and always tends to be pretty good. It's a, it's a very big school. I think a lot of their football players do track Uh, Lafayette. Jeff has had some really good years. So these are like sneakily three kind of top sprint programs. Cathedral maybe is it's a little more cyclical, more recent, but Penn Lafayette, Jeff, uh, and then, you know, the other HCC schools, the other Indianapolis schools, the township schools, HCC mixed schools, Warren, Ben Davis, those those teams teams they'll will be probably up there. they'll probably put the right places that have long term coaches have had sprint coaches there for a while that know how to coach the kids, get the kids out. Those are yeah. those are probably going to be teams that are that are up there. Four by four, this is a really open event, and this has been a much more pedestrian event since COVID there have been years where only one or two teams broke 320. last year was much stronger, but it was senior dominated. So 318 low 318 flat, I think was fifth. Center Grove won. They only have one of four back from that winning team. And then the next two teams, Warren, we talked about, and Plainfield were all seniors. Mount Vernon was fourth. Carmel was fifth. Shout out. They have two back, but both of them lose their fastest leg. So I present to you a potential favorite. Let's hear it. Fishers was ninth. It's like, well, ninth, they were all that way back. How can they be the favorite? They had three juniors and they ran out of sauce. They couldn't run Tyler Tartar. So with him, they're probably finishing more like, you know, I don't think they were going to win. I don't think they were going to challenge Plainfield. But with him, they're probably fourth, fifth, sixth, potentially with, I don't know who the, the, um, who the alternate was. Maybe it wasn't the senior, but they've got those three back. And then you put in Tartar, who was for sure going to run faster than whoever that senior was. So they've got everybody right. back from a team that 
that had theoretical 323.19 potential. Theoretical. That was, yeah, that was the same thought that I had, right? I mean, you put Tyler Tarter back in and now all of a sudden you're up at the front. I mean, that's just a big difference maker right there. Anytime you get a three at a hurdler on your four by four, you're in really great shape. Obviously the event demands are nearly the same. So, you know, you're, you're right there. Let me, let me throw one other team in the mix and mm -hmm. this won't be a surprise to you or anybody listening. That I'm going to name this team. Colin, what about the Cougars from Bloomington North, right? Here's why I like Bloomington North in the four by four. They're the defending four by eight champs. They were eighth in the four by four last year and they bring back uh, you know, a couple four by eight pieces, I think three or four of them, uh, that can drop down and run the 400. What are your thoughts? So I didn't have them on my rundown at all. How many right. do they have back from this eighth place team? From the eighth place team, they bring Just back two. two. Um, but then, you know, you also think about their four by four is kind of the point I'm making is that, you know, you could drop down and run a four by, uh, four after, and then, you know, they bring back okay, so three, about their, they've got, the, they've got three back from their four by eight. Yeah. Sorry. Three back from their four by eight and uh two back from the four by four. And there's a one overlap there. I hadn't thought about them. I had actually put Bloomington South. Yeah. Bloomington South has all four back from their team. That was 12th. And they have DeAndre Black, who's a hurdler. Now, he's more of a 110 hurdler than a 300 hurdler, but he is good at both. He, uh, I don't have him on the list for the 300s. So maybe that's just, we've had, you mentioned all 300s. The the event demands are, are very similar. Right. But we at Carmel over the years have had a lot of 300 hurdlers, like state level guys that just weren't usable on our 400, on our four by four. Um, I don't know why that is. I don't know if maybe the 300s, they're, they're more sprinters than mid distance runners. And the 300s just took so much out of them that even an hour later at the state meet or, you know, the sectional, the regional where you're, the meets where you're running these guys to see if they can do it. And there's only 30 minutes or whatever, and it's just too much. Right. Um, so all four back from 12, that's probably moving them into the top five. And then I thought, well, they didn't put the hurdler on it. So maybe they will, but I'm not at their practices. Larry probably knows what the potential of the kids on his own team are sure. better than you or I would. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, well, maybe they put him in and it'd be even better, but, but they don't even need him because they have four back from a 12th place team in an event that was just like totally saturated with seniors. I mean, yeah. well more than half of the top nine teams had two or three seniors on it yeah i have lake central on here they were they have three back from a from an 11th place team but the difference between lake central versus carmel or mount vernon well one lake central's got three back where those two schools only have two but you know carmel had a 48 flat mount vernon had a, a 48 flat or a sub 48 on theirs lake central has a sub 48 split uh he was up there in the 400 and the 200 he made long jump as well. And um, he's back. Yeah. So the Lake Central's got three back. And one of those is at the state meet is maybe a 47-3. So there's something. We talked about Fishers. We'll, we'll get into maybe more of a title one. That may be Patreon only. Um, Fishers is the, in my mind, Fishers is the only 
realistic contender to Brownsburg given a normal year, right? Nothing catastrophic happens. Sure. Like somebody from Brownsburg gets hurt. One of their stars gets hurt, really the star, or is not available for whatever reason. Then things could open up quite a bit. But right. Fishers has potentially the top four by four and the top four by eight. They're likely in the top two in both of those. Yeah. Tartar's giving them potentially 20. Right. So just between those two events, let's call that 38. Let's call it 36. Being then we haven't even that's a conservative 36. Yeah. We haven't even factored in Matthew Kim or what the four by eight could do or, or what Quagler else Quagler Roley does. Yeah. I mean, they've got those and are two two more potentially in the top three. So let's call that another 14. That's 50. If you can get to 50, it usually gives you a pretty good chance. Yeah. Sometimes teams score 50 and finish second. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And But you know what? When you do, if when you score 50 and finish second, you know who you finish second to? Team that scored more than, well, the winning team, but obviously team that scored over 50. Yeah, Brownsburg. Yeah. So I, I just kind of wonder if this is a, a, re, a repeat of that next year that there's two or even three strong teams because third last year for the boys, the third place team was 48. Yeah. Was, so uh, I can complain all I want about uh, 50 not winning. 48 didn't get anything. Right. I was double checking as you were going through those scores and reliving last spring, uh, what fishers might bring back in field events to try to keep propelling their score. And I don't, right now I don't see, I don't really see much outside of a possible uh, long jump points, but that, you know, you're right. Yeah. And, but in the long jump now that's, again, that's a little more of an inconsistent event. Like we talked about on our, on our boys field event preview, but right. John Anthony Hall is way up there. I mean, he could win. He could. Yeah. Yeah. But that he would be their or, only, or he could not get out of the region. Yeah. But if they're, if, if we're looking at, that's a relatively, we're talking about high school kids, right? I mean, Nothing is guaranteed, but all of those performers are pretty solid. Right. Yeah. You're going to be able to count on Kim and Quagler. Charter is the best hurdler. Now we know last year he, he had, he was nicked up and, and wasn't able to compete in all the events at the state meet, but given decent health, he's going to be the linchpin to their whole title hopes because he himself is worth more than 20 points with the four by four in both hurdles races. That's right. a very secure 50. And then Hall could give them another five to 10 on top of that. If they get to 60, I know Brownsburg's really, really good. And we'll talk, you know, we'll have uh, later on our, our um, mock meet and uh, the, the team race. But if, if Fishers can get into the mid to upper fifties, it's going to sweat. It's going to take, just like it did last year with Carmel and Plainfield, it's going to take everything Brownsburg's got to to be able to hold them off. And they better have that lead going in. That's why yeah, I kind of think Brownsburg might wrap at the 200 because while they could score something in the 32, they will be outscored likely by Fishers in the 3200. And then we look at the 4 by 4 and if we think Fishers is our potential favorite, could Brownsburg, that found its way on the on the podium, the 4 by 4 last year, come up with some points, maybe – but they do graduate quite a bit in that event. You could ask, 
you know, your stars and the one or the two to bump up in the four by four and run that. But it, if it that, comes down it. to that one event, that's, I mean, first of all, it's a big day. It's a big day for those dudes. Well, and, back- and they've got it. Not only it, it's not a dual meet or a conference meet where you're just like, Hey, if it's close, we're going to need you. They've got to make it their way through the tournament and Brownsburg's in the same regional as all of those Northern and Western Indianapolis schools, yeah. Fishers, Carmel, Hamilton, Southeastern, Zionsville, uh, maybe not Plainfield this year, but Harrison Lafayette. I mean, it's so hard to make it through there that they've got to be able to run three under close to 320 just to make it on. And as great as these guys are, I don't want to be on my on my Derek Lining. I'm gonna step it on his corner. As great as these guys are over 100 and 200 meters, that's no guarantee that they can run 50 flat. They they could be 2150 and and 1050 and run 52, 53, 54 seconds, especially at the end of a meet. Colin, let's say I coach the 100, the 200, and I want my kids to uh, bump up to the 400 and be able to handle that. Is there any book out there I could read to maybe help me understand what to do? You could. It's called Breaking Down the Wall by Dr. Derek Leininger, written with uh, legendary 400 coach Clyde Hartz, available on Amazon. He is going to speak at the clinic. I don't think he'll have any books on him because he went to so many other clinics and he just he can't have that much product on hand and he sold out. So if you want one, I would go on Amazon. You can get it now, read through it potentially, and uh, Derek would probably sign it at the coaching clinic. And you know what? If he doesn't, I'll sign it for you. You'll, I'm not going to sign Derek's sign name. His that would name? be fraud. No, okay. I'll sign my own name. Sign your own um, name. All right. But that's an interesting question. We've got a little bit of time here um, that it is hard to, to train for both. And I think, I don't think Brownsburg would, would even um, mess with it. And obviously they know their kids better than we do. We're, we're talking kind of in generalities, hypothetically, here. Yeah. but it's not even worth for a kid like Dominic Calhoun, who's clearly a hundred, 200 guy. It's not even worth change. You wouldn't want to change his training up any, I mean, it's worked so well on the hundred and 200, you wouldn't change anything up and potentially messed that up to try and get some extra 400 potential. Could you just train him? I mean, again, if we're Calhoun, whoever, 100, 200 specialist, can't you just train him as such? And then at the end of the meet, throw him in a four by four and race him into shape. You, you could, in my experience, limited as it may be with, with sprinters, true sprinters. Yeah. And I, I had years where I was the 400 coach and I coached, the, you know, from January all the way till June um, and ran kind of the Derek Leininger, which is really the Clyde Hart program. Right. Um, but I heard about it through Derek and, and we were really good. We've had years with guys that were like state champion level guys, all state level guys in the hundred and 200. And I can't remember again, small sample size. Cause this was only over five or six years and it was only at one school. I can't remember any of those guys that were 100, 200 guys training as pure sprinters that we could actually get uh, four by four legs out of, with one exception, and that was Ryan Life, who wasn't even a pure sprinter. He was just an athlete. Right. And um, and, and that wasn't our best four by four either. He was like a, 40, a 49 pie leg, but he was second in the 100. He was the only one. The rest of them were like, like 50, 54, 55. 
Yeah. So not not quite enough to score for you at the state. It might be okay in a small meet, but not not enough. It's just it, it's just so it's just so hard. Yeah. Especially if you're going to run the hundred and the two hundred, and then and then you're probably on the four by one because if you're that good, your team's going to be good. In in the sixth race of the night, four hundred. Once you get over forty seconds, it is very very challenging. Absolutely. And I know Absolutely. your your experience, and you have a lot more experience. Being having been a head track coach and and coaching being hands on with the sprinters on your team while I was coaching the distance runners, like you've seen, you've seen similar issues, right? Absolutely, yeah, it's difficult. You have to have them prepared and ready to go for it. It's not, you know, you can't really just throw them in there. Certainly not by the state meet and just say, hey, give us what you got. Cool. Well, that is our boys sprint hurdle preview. We're going to do the distance. And those are going to come out uh, in another couple weeks from when you're listening to this. We'll do the girls' distance, the boys' distance, and we'll have on those. I think we'll probably go over because that is our our realm of expertise. We'll probably go over and even have some stuff on our Patreon. There's a lot of stuff on there now. If you want to check that out, Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com/slash Indiana Runner, and we put some uh, other stuff on there. You can get exclusive and early access to some of the extra stuff that we do. Uh, especially centered around coaching. There we go. Well, thanks for coming on. Anything else? Uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. Season is just, uh, we're just over one month as we sit here and report this, Colin. One month from tomorrow, we are officially underway. Yep. And when this comes out, it'll just be a matter of a couple of weeks and we will be into our Indiana Runner Indoor Series. And uh, from looking, getting a quick early peek at the numbers, again, this is uh, mid-January when we're recording. There is a lot of interest in our meets, like double what there had been last year for our first meet. So we are looking forward to those and having some really competitive meets and seeing everybody around the state uh, late January into mid-February. Yeah, you know, I was talking to someone about that today, actually. I know we're running out of time here, but um, one reason might be here in central Indiana, UND used to host a lot of indoor meets, still do, but they allowed high school students to participate. Mm -hmm. With the regime change that's taken place at UND, longtime coach Scott Fangman is no longer there. Um, they are no longer allowing high school entries well, right now. If we, in that case, we are the Statue of Liberty. Come on, give, give us, us those huddle masses, baby. Come right, on hey, up to Taylor University. Thanks for coming on, and I will see you at Taylor University. Although once this is released, it's already happened. All right, we'll see you in the future. I love my little dudes. They my little guys. I love them.